0: I am Brandon Edgens. And last episode featured Jake Weber sharing a story that came out of a photograph I'd found him featured in that illuminated a part of his past. And it occurred to me, Brandon, that you have a similar story about finding out about a person's past through a photograph that you had not previously known. Do you know what I'm talking about? I have no idea what you're talking about. Your father. Oh, (laughs) dude. (laughs)
1: You know, I'm trying to think of what order to tell the story in because it's a can of worms. Um, Well, let's see. You have to start trying to describe my dad. Um,
0: Should I give my perspective of your father? Sure. Yeah, yeah. That'd be great. You know, meeting your father from the outside, he, he always struck me as a very reserved, quiet, intellectual conservative. Mm -hmm. Um, I never really got to know too much about him, but it it was clear that he was a hardworking upper middle class man who'd made his way in life and provided for his family. Clearly loved you and your brothers. Um, But yeah, just it was hard to get a word out of him edgewise.
1: Yeah, he was very quiet. Um, And so any information we could get out of him was, you know, frequently a, a surprise. And I think the reason was he really had transformed himself so much from the circumstances that he was born in. I mean, he would probably describe it as um, a shoeless redneck growing up in Anchor, Rome, you know, where he was just... <laughs> he was just an ignorant redneck i mean he uh he basically he's the cl- the classic you know like kid that you that in the parent teacher conference meeting you know when the teacher says oh no 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 he's he's definitely not slow he's just not being challenged and <laughs> what was funny is that when my dad wasn't challenged i think his energies became uh, chaotic and mm-hmm. <laughs> combative and destructive. <laughs> right. I love the fact, there's one little story, I don't know much about it, but it's a great stage direction if it were ever turned into a play, that when he got transferred from one school to another, his first day of school, uh, he was on the school bus and the kids in the school bus were giving him crap because he was new, which is what you do, right? Right. You know, you're not from around here and you know who the hell are you? And they were giving him grief on the school bus and my dad, you know, Didn't tolerate grief So he entered He basically comes off the bus First day of school In the middle of a fist fight So like (laughs) I love that as a stage direction I want to start I I want to write a whole story Just so I can write Jack enters fighting (laughs) You do things like I mean brutal stuff You know like cut the combs Off the top of roosters To make them angry So they would fight each other and, that's harsh yeah super harsh. Wow. It was it was violent and and not just playing rough with his brother rough to the point where they you know would like knock each other unconscious kind of rough <laughs> he was always but you, did you know this growing up no um well we, gave, we kind of we kind of buried the lead in a way my father was a doctor radiologist know, radiologist right? yeah. and, and and had a very very you know, later on, you know, he 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 got into sort of re, he became an anglophile, and adopted sort of like fly fishing and tweed wearing herringbone
0: hats and was you he know, Episcopalian see. growing up? No, uh, that was much later. He so wait, so he converted to Episcopalianism later in life. Yes, uh-huh. I oh, think. Oh, interesting. Before,
1: I, I'm not sure what he he was. You know, his his parents were probably some sort of form of evangelical. And now, then, to
0: those who are not from the south, that. Yeah, <laughs> that's a big clue. Yeah, that was <laughs> in, much later. in the in the South. Uh, yeah. Episcopalian is, is almost code for upper middle class, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he,
1: you know, this there's, to try to sort of like skip through the story quickly. He, what I knew, or what he told us, you know, growing up, we know that he had gone to the he went to the army mm-hmm. and had a kind of a conversion. Of sorts there and that's where his life really took a hard turn and he decided to like straighten himself out and in pretty short order he got himself educated and became a doctor
0: and that's sort of what you knew
1: yeah that was the part that i knew right but i always knew that the part when he was a teenager sort of hit that those years were kind of a, a a blank. Mm-hmm. He didn't like. He did, he did, he never volunteered information, and we didn't ask him. Um, so one, this was years ago. I, I was digging through his drawer, looking for something else, and I saw this cigar box in the uh, back of the top drawer of his desk, and opened it up, and there were some pictures in there. I was like, oh, old faded sepia pictures, <laughs> and I'm going through it. And it's a lot of pictures of people I don't recognize and stuff. I don't know what it is. And then I get to a picture of a, you know, it looks like a '57, '58 Buick with the big fins on the back. Mm-hmm. It's 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 like it's it's a it's a 1950s photo from Central Casting. I mean, it's right. almost comically 1950s, and it's parked sideways on Broad Street in Rome. I recognize the the street, um, and it's parked sideways in the street and it's blocking traffic. And there's five dudes. <laughs> uh sitting in front of it. Well there's well there's two dudes outside the car leaning against the car. They're all trying to look as badass as possible. Uh two guys leaning against the car, two guys standing in the car. And
0: how are they dressed?
1: They're all dressed identically. They're all wearing jeans and the white t shirts with the sleeves rolled up with the pack of cigarettes in <laughs> the sleeves. Right. They're all wearing sunglasses and they all have crew cuts, you know, st- like I said, straight up like classic 50s. And they're all standing there with their arms crossed, looking all badass and stuff. And I'm looking at these people. I'm like, who are these people? And I, but my eye immediately goes to what is the center of the photograph clearly, which is my dad standing with one foot in the driver's seat of the convertible Buick and one foot in the back seat. So he's just straddling the whole car, basically, (laughs) straddling the driver's seat. And first of all, everyone else has their arms crossed and has crew cuts. My dad has a mohawk. (laughs) And this is conservative...
0: This is the 1950s, 50s Rome, Georgia. In Rome,
1: Georgia, like nobody has a mohawk. <laughs> Only a psycho has a mohawk. <laughs> and at this time, and he's not crossing his arms. He's got both hands up in the air, flipping off the camera, <laughs> shooting the bird in the middle, in the broad daylight, in the noon, <laughs> high noon, and and, and, and and on Main Street. And uh, and I'm just like, oh. That's why he doesn't talk about his teenage years. (laughs) He must have been like absolutely out of control, and you know, it is funny. Look, when, when I when I have that image in my mind. And then, like eight years later, eight, but what did you? Eight, but eight, but
0: eight, what did you first do when you when you saw that and you realized it was your father? What did you do? I didn't did do anything. Tuck, did you tuck it back in? The <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just put it right back. I was like, oh my god, okay, not supposed to be
1: seen, you know. And I tucked it away. Right, right, right. And uh, but it, but it sort of it filled in a huge puzzle piece, you know. Like, yeah. like this is why yeah. he doesn't talk about that. Um, I know that he. Um, you know, really interesting thing, this is more about his personality than that, I think, uh, or in his change, that growing up, he always had this weird, um smoothed over sort of scar, like a big scar on his left bicep on a, on his upper arm, uh, real big. And he'd always told us that it was a burn. And uh, that's you know, I believed it. And then it was a f- my friend's aunt. Who said? Oh no! When I was um, around the same time, probably late '50s, um, she was driving to Atlanta and saw my dad hitchhiking on the side of the road and picked. You know, she, she recognized him, picked him up, and asked him what he was doing. He said, "Well, I'm going to go to college. I'm going to become a doctor, and uh, I've, I've got to have this uh, tattoo removed because I don't think a, I don't think a doctor should have a tattoo." What was the tattoo? I don't know. Hmm. I still don't know. But that sort of um I don't know, resolve and determination that like drawing drawing such a clear delineation mm-hmm. that like that's not what I'm doing anymore. I've changed and I don't think a doctor should have a tattoo. Yeah. Is the mark of someone who really uh Profound conscientiously conversion. reinvented. Yeah. yeah themselves and their direction in life and what and what it was he credits the he credits the army for this actually because back then they used to they wouldn't get away with this today but back then they would separate barracks by (laughs) iq test you take an iq test going and they would put like you know high scores into the barracks together and lower scores in other barracks and he scored very high uh, and everyone else in his barracks were there on the GI Bill. They'd already had some college and they were just like there to go back to college. They were going back to college. He didn't have a direction. He was completely aimless at this point. But he ended up in the barracks, all these smart dudes. And all these smart dudes were like, who is this guy? This, this, uh, you know, redneck dirt farmer, you know, like, <laughs> you know, what, what is he doing here? And, but very quickly realized like, oh, Jack is. He's not, he's not dumb. He's really smart. He's just, he's just ignorant. He hasn't mm-hmm. had an opportunity. No one has ever made an effort to teach him, mm-hmm. but he's always been curious. And, um, uh, and he quickly realized just by being exposed to these guys that he was like, oh my gosh, there's so much stuff out there to learn.
0: You know, that also, that reminds me of another little insight I've, I've had into your father's, uh, Personality as a young man, and, and do you mind telling the story about how your parents met?
1: Oh, um, well, he was in medical school, and my uh mother was working at the medical school in admissions, and um, uh, they were at a party, and uh, somebody had probably already mentioned before he arrived that, like, oh, Jack is coming, and you know, he had to, he does this thing when he meets a, a girl, you know, for, he's he's known for throwing women into the pool. (laughs) (laughs) And my mom is extremely independent and hard-headed and uh, uh, strong-willed. It was was just like, well, that's disgusting. And, and, you know, what a gross human being. (laughs) He will certainly... Not do that to me. <laughs> <laughs> we all know where this is going. <laughs> it was almost sort of yeah. instant. She confronted him at the party, which is a very, <laughs> uh, very. You
0: must want to get thrown in the pool, which is yeah, which is very uh,
1: my mom sort of thing to do. You know, like she was, uh, uh, you know, opinionated and kind of in your face uh, about things, and uh, you know said something but like I heard that you throw I don't know how I don't have all this details of the story, but I think it went something like I hear that you throw women into the pool and that is so hey whoosh, whoosh, <laughs> into the pool. And then I don't know and here's the thing, this is, I and I don't know this part. I but all of a sudden I know is that shortly after they're dating <laughs> <laughs> Because it worked, it worked Uh, eventually. The old hurling move, Um, but you know, this is a couple like five, six years ago. My 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 brother was sort of interviewing my dad about about all of these sort of weird inconsistencies in his in his past. You know, like how did you? Basically, we've always been kind of mystified. Like, how did you start where where you started, and end up where you ended up? Right. Um with sort of by really just through your own will uh and and hard work and intelligence. And something about the way he said this, to him he knew he knew this about himself, and to him it was kind of a no brainer. And he's sitting in his study and he just said flat flatly, Well, I've always had a lot of confidence. <laughs> Clearly. And it's that's an interesting thing to hear from someone who otherwise never speaks. Because a lot of people who do have a lot of confidence tend to like that's pro- actually that's not true. I was gonna say people with a lot of confidence tend to sort of like be braggadocious, but actually the braggadocious types are the ones who don't have confidence.. right.
0: right. right.
1: Uh, my dad had genuine yeah confidence in his own ability and in his intelligence and knew what he was capable of, but just, you know, wasn't engaged. Mm-hmm. Um, he didn't have the early direction. He didn't have the early direction, but like he like he said there was he did have a teacher early on in high school that like who got his attention in science. Uh, I think oh, was a science teacher. Okay. Who early on and then I think that was the first spark in his mind that was like, "Oh, school isn't boring. I just had bad teachers." Mm-hmm. Because this right. is yeah. this yeah. is this is interesting. This is cool. And I think that was probably a dem- that demonstrated to him that he had a tremendous capacity for learning and a tremendous curiosity as well. But it just needed – he needed a good storyteller like we all do. We need someone who knows how to engage you and take you on this you know, journey of, of, of discovery. Um, but what was interesting was that self-awareness – he never doubted his capacity and his potential – he just hadn't seen a good, like... He had he had seen no good reason to exercise it yet.
0: <laughs> now, did you ever tell him that you found that photo?
1: No. Really? I didn't, and here's the really kind of tragic part. Um, last time I was home, you know, just like eight months ago, whatever, I went down and to open the drawer, cigar box, went through it, gone. I think the same thing in him that said a doctor shouldn't have a tattoo mm-hmm. is probably still with him and the same person said I don't think I should have that person around anymore mm. you know I'm not that person anymore so why would I want that picture around anymore yeah that he's he, there's a there's a pride a very quiet pride to like how he uh, lives his life and that's not something he wants to leave behind and it had to have been he had to have gotten rid of it and I'm sure he did it and I'm sure he did it very simply and quickly too I don't think he had any uh, knowing him I don't think he debated it he went through it and found it and threw it in the trash
0: and how uh, we don't have to go here if you don't want but mm-hmm. how's your dad doing?
1: Um, you know he's uh. And what Anson means by that is that my dad has uh, Parkinson's and um, uh, is uh, sort of immobile. Um, You know, considering all of that, he's doing very well. Um, The most remarkable thing about the way he's weathered the difficulties of you know losing your independence. And his memory issues and all of that stuff is that he still, he still, he still has this quiet. uh, Doesn't he? Never, ever, ever complains. He always says he's fine. Always says he's about to leave. Uh, And that's again this sort of core of confidence that he knew he had, that he still has, is still there. And sometimes, you know, and I remind my mom of this all the time. She's like, oh, he thinks he's going to walk out of the nursing home tomorrow. And, I'm, and I will say, well, first of all, that's a good attitude. <laughs> do, we, do we want to disabuse him of that? <laughs> right. I don't think so. I think that's, yeah. um, you know, considering where he is, yes, let's encourage that. Um, and but, and she, but she thinks that it's um, a delusion of sorts. And I have to remind her, like, no, that's, that's exactly who he's always been. That's not, that's not a new thing. That's core. That's part of who he's always been. He's always said, I'm about to get better. This is about to improve. I'm about to pull myself out of this
0: situation. Yeah. Yeah. I remember when he uh, first took a downturn, um, he was lost for a while mentally. Has that improved any?
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, he had a, he had a combination of Parkinson's and then uh, uh, spinal meningitis that was induced by through surgery. Um, And that he took a massive cognitive hit for a while and he hasn't come back fully, but he has been pretty resilient. It's, you know, this is, I can talk about this because I think this is something that uh, anyone with old aging parents understands. I now understand the meaning of good days and bad days, you know, and it's, and you just have to take every day. As it comes, you don't know which version of him you're gonna get, and and it's also not predictive of which who you're gonna get the next day either. He'll have troubles talking and kind of be all over the place one day, and then and then the next day you swear like he's ready to come home, like this is like nothing ever happened. Right. He's his, his his he's sharp as attack, He's funny, uh, and then you know it just up and down, mm. but. I just talked to him today, actually, on the phone, and uh, I gave him a beta Japanese fighting fish to put in his room that he named Okay. General Tojo. (laughs) 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 Uh, Well, he's with it. He's with it. Yeah, he knows what's up. (laughs) He knows what's up. And my mother didn't know who that was. Like, who's General Tojo? I'm like, he's the general who orchestrated the Pearl Harbor attack. It's not. (laughs) (laughs) Never mind. (laughs) Never mind. Never mind. (laughs) Um, Yeah, he's always been. You know what? That's in some ways that's not. That's not. In some ways, it's nothing new. This is the hardest. This is why it's so hard to gauge where my dad is at, because he's always been really quiet, and you would start to think like, put it this way. You know, for my entire life, it's been an open question: Is he listening? <laughs> <laughs> is, he, is he even here right now? He's like he's he's over there and the and is sitting laid back in his chair, smoking his pipe. I'm not even sure if he knows we're here. And uh, so that's always been the case. So that makes so that makes this new turn really hard to uh, gauge because people say, well, what's his baseline? Right? Like how different is right. now from before. And sometimes both my you know, my mom and I are like, it's actually not that different sometimes. Like it's hard to tell. Uh I mean, certainly there are certain moments clearly that are dementia. Uh, but there's also a lot of moments that are like, he's always done that. He's always tuned out, he's always uh chasing thoughts around inside of his head and kind of keeping himself entertained. I was, you know, a physics or I was I was yeah, for a while I was a physics major, and um, I was very excited about theoretical physics and stuff, and I thought I was telling my dad something new um, about uh, relativity. And he said, this is the way my dad is. He would let me talk for a solid hour, very patiently, and then, you know, very casually just kind of throw in, like, well, actually, the... Special theory of relativity was in 1915. You're talking about the original, blah, 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 <laughs> the relativity, which, which actually posits yes. that that gravity uh, affects time in terms yeah. of spontaneous continuum. I'm like, oh, crap. I feel like an idiot. I thought I was telling him something, but I couldn't tell him anything because he already knew it. And that was the, 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 the sort of the paradox of my dad was he was just quiet, never said anything, and you realize, like, he's read everything. He comprehends everything. Yeah. He, and he... And he's and he's spending all this time synthesizing and this information in his head into a, I think a really amazingly whole worldview that just he wasn't in he wasn't inspired to share with anyone, you know. But it would just kind of come out occasionally, and you realize like, oh wait a minute, why? why is everyone in the room acting like we're going to teach him something or, you know, that we're bringing him some news? Right. He's just sitting there like, yeah, I know.
0: (laughs) Well, and now he's, he's being forced to be very present and you are as well. Mm -hmm. And you know, that's the thing that I've learned uh, about my own stepfather's situation. Who's, he's in a memory care facility now. And, He's living one day at a time, and he has his good days and bad days as well. And you know, he's he's in a, a, a he's a further gone place than your father. It you sounds know. like it. But you see him playing out his life in various ways, and he has his good days and he's his bad days. And but he's you know the person that they are doesn't go away. They are still very much the same personality. You know, my 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 stepfather he. He worked his whole life and uh, as a businessman, started businesses, ended businesses, sold businesses, but he was always a business guy. And a few weeks ago, uh, my, my mother goes to visit and says, how's Ed doing? And they said, well, he was really, he was great for the first part of the day. And then we, we sat him down at a, at a table with about five or six other of uh, patients and he happened to be at the head of the table and he he sat there and he was good for about 15 minutes and then he suddenly announced to all of them that he was firing all their asses because he, <laughs> he was tired of their shit. He was going to form a new board and he was going to restart the company. <laughs> right. And I just get this picture of all these just confused... <laughs> Older people looking at him, <laughs> what are you talking about? Some
1: of whom may have believed they had just been fired.
0: <laughs> yeah. 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 It's a, it's a, it's an, you know, you're, our, we're entering our middle ages where we're starting to have to become responsible for our parents. It's an interesting place to be.
1: It is. It's hard. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I count myself lucky that my dad has such a, um, like you said, like he, even dementia doesn't change some fundamental things. And for him it hasn't changed his optimism. And my dad's medical knowledge is still completely there. Mm-hmm. Like from one day to the next, he's either at a club or at a new apartment mm-hmm. or whatever, but like he's confused about where he is. But like if you tell him in your medical history, he'll give you a diagnosis. Oh he'll wow. Give you, he knows no, he knows he, he hasn't forgotten any of that stuff. Wow. Uh, his, he can, he can do his, his, strangely enough, he can probably still do his job.
0: Well, you know what's funny is that my, my wife went down to spend time with mother cause she had to go in for some minor surgery and I was not able to cause I was working. And, uh, before they went in they, the day before they went in, they saw Ed and mom told Ed that she was going to get a surgery and he just like brightened right up mm. and mom went to the bathroom, I think. And he said to my wife, he said, when is she going in? And she was like, "Uh, tomorrow. He's like, okay, you're going to call me right after, right? And you're going to let me know how it went. And it it was just like, suddenly there's just responsibility brought about this kind of sentience. Mm, Right. Yeah. That's so weird, isn't it? Well,
1: I'm going to jump out of this, you know, personal thing about our fathers for a second and remind you again, it was a radio lab about Mel Blank.
0: Oh yeah,
1: so I'm I'm now quoting somebody else. That's podcast, right. But Mel Blanc, who did uh, the vo- famously the famous all the voices yeah. that everyone knows for Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck, and, yeah. Uh,
0: uh, he was in a major car them. wreck, right? I actually, I I thought it was a stroke. Oh, was I, it Was it a stroke?
1: I could be wrong, but I, I think I thought it was a stroke. Uh, I mean, he was older, so it was kind of an old age related. Okay, kind of a thing. But anyway, he had lost. Uh, he was unresponsive. He was, he was in a coma. Yeah, and he was unresponsive and he wasn't, you know, responding to any vo- voice commands. And uh, then one day, um doctor came in and saw... A new doctor.
0: I think it was his son.
1: It was the doctor. It was the doctor. The doctor okay, came okay. in and I forgot what the question he was, but it was a new doctor and just saw, looked in the chart and went, oh my God, Mel Blank from the, 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 the Looney Tunes cartoons. And said something like, you know, what's up, Bugs? Or something like that. Just, you know, casual, kind of threw it out there, not thinking anything. And the first thing that Mel Blanc says is, what's up, Doc? As Bugs Bunny, in that voice.
0: He's unresponsive.
1: He was unresponsive. But, and
0: but the characters... Were there. And yeah. the, But
1: the point was, you know, going back to, like, your dad's business thing and my father's uh, medical training, was that was his job. And his son who was in the room and witnessed this, Mel Blank's son, who witnessed this, said, you know, like, he was really work-driven and it was the same person who, when he had a cold or a flu or whatever and didn't feel good or whatever, but like when the red light comes on in the recording booth and the director says, okay, three, two, one, we're rolling, boom, there's Bugs Bunny, there's Daffy Duck, there's whatever. There was a part, there was a whole network of his brain that was almost separate right that said you know like well you know like (laughs) it's funny it's about the it's about prioritizing right like and the brain has these hierarchical structures about like is this important so like it's not that he was hearing his wife and kid trying to talk to him and him being unresponsive and him deciding that that wasn't important but they weren't activating that part of his brain that said oh crap i gotta get up and it's work it's go time it's time to work and then when he was prompted with a sort of what's up doc with a line of dialogue th- that that triggered the like workhorse in him and that and that part of him emerged and it came out and he could talk as characters from as the characters that he's yeah, he
0: he'd, he'd put in so many hours doing yeah. those characters that it was sort of in the muscle memory, mm-hmm. I guess, of his mouth yeah, and his it, throat.
1: Yes, it was muscle memory, and that was to me what was fascinating is that that muscle memory to be able to do those characters was associated with on demand performance
0: responsibility
1: responsibility, yeah, which is a different thing than like hanging out like my dad hanging out at home, you know, when he's over there in the corner of the study smoking his pipe and you're not sure if he's listening or not he probably wasn't um a lot of the time because he was thinking about other things (laughs) but uh you can be casual at home you don't have to listen at home you don't have to that's what home is for you can tune out you can relax but you can't at work you gotta be on point at work and that triggers a different right more bells of, and whistles are going yes. off, right, right? Right. More responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. Like you can't screw around right now. You got to. It's go time. You. Gotta
0: I, I, go. I think that retirement is one of the biggest killers on the planet. Yep. I, I, I think there's something about responsibility that keeps us going. And as soon as that is a that that sense of responsibility is alleviated, not for everybody, but but a lot of times when that that sense of responsibility for other people or other, you know, things bigger than ourselves is alleviated, it. I don't know. At least for men. Yes. It it it, right. it goes south,
1: especially for men for whose lives have have only been about uh work. Yeah. And specifically the 9 to 5 kind of work. I think artists tend to weather that kind of thing a little better because it was never about work in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Yeah. It's it's about You know, my dad was that way too. Um he always liked I was always blown away like by the kind of lifelong commitment he had to learning that he never shared with anyone. Uh this is only like four hmm, yeah, three three years. Yeah, it was only god, wow, it's only like three or four years ago. Uh before he fell. Uh and had the and had the brain surgery. Um but he just walked into a study, I'm like, what are you doing? And he has this big book open on his desk and very casually he's like, oh, I was just brushing up on my organic chemistry (laughs) (laughs) you're like why (laughs) you're you're like you're 80 you know do you need it you know no he doesn't need it but he's but he's interested in it right it's it's fascinating to him yeah yeah. and uh, he and and he realized that he was starting to forget it yeah uh, because it had been a long time since he had studied organic chemistry but to him that wasn't school that was fun Mm -hmm. learning is fun yeah. Yeah. I don't have a a way out of this.
0: <laughs> Let's just let the tape roll until we get old and forget that it's rolling.
1: And how do you uh how do you envision your your latter years?
0: oh gosh I uh, I don't there's uh, there's so much I want to do I, I kind of like oh uh. is it scary? of course of course it is especially the fact that Darren and I still have ch- we still have plans to have children mm-hmm. and I'm 46 of course it's yeah. frightening yeah. but one thing that I've determined is that um we will not have one child mm-hmm. because I do not want one child to have to deal with mm. taking care of us. Right. I want mm-hmm. there to be a partnership because mm-hmm. um, it's hard. It's hard. Yeah. Sharon
1: and I uh, you know, made the decision not to have children. So our plan is to go out the old fashioned way. Guns a (laughs) (laughs) blazing.
0: The Well is produced, recorded, and edited by Brandon Edgens and myself, Anson Mount. Theme music by Jonathan Myberg. Additional music for this episode provided by Jason Shaw, via Creative Commons 3.0 attribution license. A happy belated Father's Day to all the dads listening. And if your own father is still with us, give him a call. Yeah, I know you called him on Sunday. Call him again. Ask him how he's doing, laugh at his stupid jokes, and tell him you love him. And have a great week, everyone. ¶¶